Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Good morning, Celebrate. My name is Brian, and I am pastor of pain here, sorry, pastor of care here at Celebrate Church. What is it? about other people's pain that makes us laugh. Well, here in these videos, right? Now I was reassured, everyone was fine. They all walked away, they were good. And I thought to myself, sure, with a limp, a gimp, some bruises, you know, that is terrible, but it's so funny. Well, I just wanna say welcome to all of you here in this building today. And welcome to everyone who is watching online today as well. It truly is a blessing and an honor to be able to share with you from God's word and also a message that Pastor Keith has entrusted to me to share with you as well. Before I get started, though, I wanted to share just a little bit about myself, if I may. Um, I was born and raised in Nebraska in a small town called O'Neill. And you may have heard of that a few times from the stage from Pastor Keith. Uh, He and his family moved to O'Neill when I was in the sixth grade and he was as well. So we were classmates from the sixth grade on and we've been friends, friends ever since. I come from a family of seven, of course, mom and dad, five children, I have an older sister named Dee, and then there's me. I have a younger brother, his name is Scott. Another younger sister, her name is Stacy. And another sister named Kelly. In 1983, when I graduated, I knew I was gonna go to college at another small town called Wayne in Nebraska, at Wayne State College. And I was so blessed in 1984 to meet a man who would change my life forever. And he was my roommate in college. His name is Paul. How apropos. So I am so thankful to him. And we are still friends to this very day. In 1987, just before graduation in college, I started to date a friend who also grew up in our, my hometown of O'Neill. It's a funny story how that happened. <clears throat> I was working at McDonald's, of course, getting through college, and I worked with her sister, and her sister said to me, hey, Brian, Sherry's in town. She lives here. And I had no idea. As I said, we grew up in the same town. I knew Sherry. We were friends. And her sister said, she wants you to call her. Cool. I can do that. So I called. And I said, hi, Sherry. This is Brian. Your sister told me you wanted me to call you. 
She said, no, I didn't. <laughs> That's how it started, for real. And we were married November 20, 1988. So this November, we will be married 33 years. Thank you. In our home, we had three children. Our eldest daughter, Jennifer, and her husband, they live in Sioux City. And they have our first granddaughter, and her name is Gemma. And she... She is seven, and you cannot slow her down unless you put an iPad in front of her. That's the only time she stops. She is such a blessing, and this was her last day of first grade, and her mom sent us that picture. We are so blessed to have Jim in our life. Our son, who is our second child, his name is Brock. He and his wife, Shelby, live here in Sioux Falls. They have our second and third grandchildren. And our second grandchild is Raleigh, just like the city. She has such a great heart. It is so good to see. She goes by sometimes when she dons a cape, Super Mickey. <laughs> She'll run up and down the hallways of our house. It's so good. And as I mentioned, our third grandchild, his name is Emmett. And he is just over one year old. <laughs> Emmett, he is coming into his own. His personality is so good. His smile. And here he is, Great Wolf Lodge, donning some ears of a wolf. <laughs> So we are so blessed to have them. And our third child, our daughter Ashley. I don't have any pictures of her children. They're the four-legged variety. Cats, dogs, that's what she has in her home. But she wants to be a mom. And we hope that she gets to be a mom. Because she'll be terrific. She's already a super aunt to Gemma, Raleigh, and Emmett. So, there we have it. That's enough about me. You know, as a church, we've been in a series called Rethink. And Pastor Keith, and Pastor Reed, and Pastor Tim have all been sharing a variety of things that we as followers of Jesus need to rethink about Today, I'm going to share with you about one, and that is pain. Say pain. pain. Absolutely. You know, seeing the pain that the folks in the video endured sure changes how we perceive the realities of pain, does it not? I'm not going to share about any of those particular pains that we just witnessed in the video, but I will talk about other pains that are just as real. The scripture that we're going to use today, 
that we take a look at and study is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you take your Bibles out and find that in readiness, that would be great. You know, as a pastor of care here at the church, God has blessed me as well as Pastor Keith did when he asked us to come and be a part seven years ago with the passion, the compassion, the sympathy and the empathy to walk a ton of journeys with many of you in this church and from some outside. Now, I'm not bragging, but I know it's where God has gifted me to be used for his glory. We all need to know how to be used and gifted for his kingdom, but also to be used to the very best of our abilities because of God's Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It really is, as Pastor Key spoke about just a few weeks ago, having a spiritual swagger. It's how we get in the game, how we stand offense, as Pastor Reed shared just a couple weeks ago. You know, whether it's pain from a relationship separation or divorce, loss of a job, need for food, a hospital stay, or even in the pain of death, God has given me some of his grace, some of his mercy to share with all of you. You know, I recall the very first visit to the hospital that it was just on my own. And it was it's tough because it's, we were told it's an end of life situation. So I go and the whole time I'm thinking, what on earth am I gonna say? What am I gonna do? God, you have to always be in control of this. Please don't let me mess up. I walk into the room and it was already heavy, of course. Nurses, family. So I tried to introduce myself to one of the family members quietly and they transferred that to the wife of the gentleman who was passing away. And she got up and she walked over to me and I introduced myself. And I said, I'm so sorry. Could I pray with all of you? And she said, absolutely, absolutely. But let's all get together. We're going to a waiting room. That'd be great. So we got together in the waiting room and I just introduced myself because I tried to stay a bit out of the way in a heavy situation, but I wanted them to know they are loved and they are not alone. So we went into the room, sat down, and we started to talk just for a minute. I almost got to the point of prayer, and the nurses came in, said, it's time. I mean, it's, it's now. So we all jumped up and went into the room and sure enough, it wasn't five seconds. 
His wife was tenderly crying over him and their children were doing the same. It's such a blessing to walk in that pain. I'll never forget it. And the relationship I've been able to foster with her has been fabulous. But Celebrate has, through God's Holy Spirit and his people, redeemed many lives in their journey of cancer pain to the leaders of cancer care, to the folks who walk the journey in the divorce care groups, and by the people who lead in the grief share program, just to name a few of the things here at the church. The people who lead in these and other groups within the church are excellent examples of people using their spiritual swagger to serve within the church. They all know how God has gifted them, which is a blessing, of course. But then they also know that they cannot keep that for themselves. Instead, they give it away because that is what they are called to do. So, before I get started, will you please join with me in asking for God's blessing upon his word and for me to get out of the way and share it well. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift, the gift that it is to be your child and that you, Father, grow us from infancy to maturity And all along that journey, Father, we experience many, many things. You allow that for us. And one of those is pain. I trust, Father, today that you'll be with us. Your Holy Spirit will speak to us as we hear your goodness, your word. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everyone says, amen. Amen. So, if you have your notes, something to write with, and your Bible, please take them out. You know, one of the most perplexing questions in life is, why is there pain in the world? And why does a good God allow it? It's a big question. But it is not a new one. Since the beginning of time, people have been asking this question. In fact, King Solomon asked it. And let's all read this out aloud together. So, what do people get for all their hard work and their struggles here on earth? Their entire life is filled with pain and their work is unbearable. And even at night, their minds don't rest. It all seems so pointless. Did you catch what he said? Their entire life is filled with pain. We need to underline, circle, highlight, whatever it is you may do, that statement. Talk about being relevant. That sums up most of the world. Friends, there are a lot of people living lives filled with pain. For some, it is all they can do just to get up, find food, find shelter, or just to make it through the day. 
Over and over they ask, why is life so difficult? Why is life so painful? Here's the key, and I do not want you to miss it. The greater the purpose, the greater the tolerance. I'll say it again. The greater the purpose, the greater the tolerance. You know, studies have shown time and time again that human beings can handle enormous amounts of pain if there is a good purpose for it and in it. But the unbearable pain is the purposeless pain. For example, women, they bear great pain in childbirth for a great purpose, which is life. In fact, how many of you mothers would say that the pain was worth the gain? Absolutely, absolutely. Men, we have no idea what that's like. We are such big wimps because of a splinter, or I have a headache, or I have a cough. Ladies, am I right? You know what I mean, right? Absolutely. The key is that pain without purpose sorry, with purpose, is manageable. Pain without it simply is not. I got to tell you, I found that out for myself. I was six years old. I remember it distinctly. My family and I had just come back from somewhere. I don't know. And I don't even know what put the idea in my head. But we all, well, everyone walked up the sidewalk into the house but me. For some reason, I stood outside. Now I'm six. It's a great idea. What would happen? What would happen if I shut the car door on my finger? Will it really hurt? Never had it happen before. I'm going to find. I sure did it. Yeah. Slammed the door right on my finger. It hurt. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But Just a dumb, dumb, dumb experiment. Manageable? Yeah, not so much. Just dumb. Now, maybe some of you are going through pain right now that you do not see any purpose in it. But I want you to know that there is a God purpose to it. And we are going to address that today. Jesus said in John 15, 18 through 21, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Then Jesus gives us this teaching of fellowship in John 16, 33. He said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Folks, I don't know any other way to say it to you, but just truthfully, who are we to think that we will ever be exempt from trouble and pain in our lives, especially when Jesus has said this and experienced them all himself. This side of heaven is filled with pain, but it does not get to own your life. Here's the point. No matter what kind of pain you are going through, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, relational, mental, whatever it is, if you can learn to rethink it, you will be far better prepared to handle it. The word says in Romans 8.28, and let's all read this together. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. People, do not miss this. First, according to this passage, there are a lot of bad things in this world. And second, this promise is not for everyone. I'll say it again. This promise is not for everyone. It is only for those who love him. Listen, if you love God and you're trying to live according to his purpose, now pay close attention. The Bible says that God is working for the good in all things. That includes the bad, the evil, the terrible, the sinful, and the painful. What things? All things. In short, this one verse tells us that pain can be managed for a purpose. Yet not just any purpose, but a God eternal purpose. Yet there is a caveat. You must, you must cooperate with God or you will waste your pain. And sadly, most people waste their pain. Everyone has problems. As a matter of fact, turn to the person on your left and say, you have problems. <laughs> now, turn to the person on your right and say, I have problems. <laughs> Absolutely. So, how do you profit how do you profit from problems? Here's the deal. God does not have to create pain. There is plenty this side of heaven. But God can use it for good. It is simply your choice. As I mentioned earlier, our scripture is from 2 Corinthians 1 and in verses 3 through 10. And I will read those to you now. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. 
He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we relied on God, who raises the dead And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Amen. I want to give you four ways in which God wants to use your pain for good. And here is the first way. Number one, draw closer to God. Truthfully, folks, if we do not get this first point, if we don't work on this relationship and get this one right here, the other three have very little eternal value. Here is the deal, people. Anytime pain happens, you have a choice. You can either run to it or you can run from it. Now listen, the second option just does not make any sense. If you're running from God, what in the world are you running to? What, or better yet, who is the Lord and master of your life? I'm not trying to diminish the pain, but I am simply asking the question because just as real as that pain is, God is even more so. He did not create this world He did not create this world to experience pain. He created this world and you to enjoy his creation and as the Bible says, have life to the full. In addition to that, God says in the word that we all are without excuse to not know, to not worship him when we simply look at the creation around us. So how do you draw closer to God in your pain? You tell God exactly how you feel. It's that simple. That is what worship, that is what this relationship right here is all about. It's not just a quiver in your liver, but a real pain that you are experiencing. It's called lamenting. For goodness sakes, people, read the book of Psalms and Ecclesiastes. Use prayer to express your shock. Use prayer to unload your sorrow. Use prayer to unload your sadness. Use prayer to express your struggle. The key, 
The absolute key is that you do not repress it, but that you express it. And I'll say it again. The absolute key is that you do not repress that pain, but you express it. Did you notice it in the verses that I just read in verses eight through 10? I'll read it again. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He whispers to us. But he shouts to us in our pain. You know, in 1985, my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And as I said earlier, in 1984, I gave my life to Christ. And I am so glad I did. Because 1985, 1986, 1987 were tough years. You see, my mom had to decide being a Jehovah's Witness The surgery I need to remove that cancer takes a blood transfusion. She can't do that. She can't do that and stay in the church for them. She took the blood transfusion survived. And I remember, as many of our family did, spending many days in Omaha, Nebraska at the University of Nebraska Medical Center with her, watching her recover, chemotherapy. That's a lot. But God was with me with my mom. She got to go home. And I remember, oh, the scar, the pain. Just to get her up was enough, all she could do. She would hold a pillow against that incision just to stand. Days and weeks went by. We took many walks to get her going and up. It wasn't easy, but she was ready. In my 20-year-old wisdom, after all of this and her recovering, I said to her, if you go back to smoking, with the gift you have been given, 
I'm not doing this again with you. You have been blessed. Please don't. My dad retired from his work after 40 years in May of 2005. Had a big shindig. Folks were there to congratulate him. It was fun. My mom and dad took a few trips. Some cruise. Seeing a bit of the world. I mean, that's what you do. You're retired. But in October, she passed away. Five months from joy to death. I remember the phone call at our house. I don't recall if it was my mom, or sorry, my dad, or my sister. And my mom, that'd have been great. <clears throat> Said, she's passed away. They just lived a block down the street from us, so I walked down to the house. It was way early in the morning. As I'm walking down to the house, it was God's healing. It was the time to sob, and I did. Absolutely. I walked around the house a few times and the police were there. One of the policemen said, Brian, are you okay? I'm sobbing. I said, sob. Yeah, I'm good. Just going to miss my mom. But my mom always told me, Brian, when I die, don't come visit me in the cemetery. I'm not there. Praise God. Listen, many followers of Jesus came to know him in their pain. Who in this room can testify? Absolutely. That is God's testimony in your life, your story. It is how you've been saved and how you have been redeemed. Not by your works, but by his. The Bible tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. Now that is good news. Amen? Amen. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9, it says, I am glad, and not because it hurts you, but because the pain turns you to God. So, what is the first way that God wants us to use our pain for good? Draw us closer to God. Here's point number two. Draw closer to others. Pain can be one of the great gifts in building relationships. It really can. This is what Paul meant when he said, carry one another's burdens. Here are a couple of principles to help with this point. First, the deeper the pain, the fewer the words. I'll say it again, the deeper the pain, 
the fewer the words. It's okay to be afraid to draw closer when someone's going through grief. They may not need your words, but they sure need your presence. Look at it this way. Do not say, but do stay. The ministry of presence is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to someone. Here's the second. Do not try to cheer up, just show up. You do not have to know what they are going through and people, you do not. I have been in the room when a wife was recounting to me the decision she had to make to protect herself from her husband because when he drank changed him and she was so afraid for herself and for her children two young girls she had to make a choice to hear her share nothing prepares you for that All she could tell me was, I don't have my best friend in this world anymore. What do you do? I just held her hand and listened. Unbelievable. I was in the room when a mom and dad had to decide we're taking our teenage daughter off of child support. They say there's nothing else they can do. Nothing. What do you do? We did what we could and that's the most and we prayed. I was in the room. When a son, a sister, had found their father passed away in his bed exactly where he wanted to be. But what do you do? We shared memories, we cried, we laughed. I was on the front porch with a friend. Because they took his dad out the door, his body. And I put my arm around him and we just watched the hearse drive away. Oh, 
what do you do? You hurt. We just cried together. I was in the room when a husband told me, my wife has a 10% chance of living. What do you do? We drew closer. It's amazing. But only by his works, not by ours. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. When you share with each other in the suffering and you hurt when other people hurt, now you are loving your neighbor as yourself. So, what is the first way that God wants to use our pain for good? Draw closer to God. And what's the second way that God wants to use our pain for good? Draw closer to others. Here's number three. Develop Christ-like character. I was so blessed just a few weeks ago to preside over a funeral service for a young mom who had passed 44. They have two boys, eight and 10 years old. And of course her husband and mom is no longer around. I remember before the service began, the little boy was wearing a Kansas City Chiefs stocking hat. It was hot out. It was his favorite team and his mom's. As we ended the service on the table, there were some items that the funeral director said, if you'd like to take any of these and put them in the vault when we go to the burial site, you sure may. There was another Kansas City Chiefs stocking hat there. So the little boy took that hat as well, put it on his other hat. He's wearing two Kansas City Chiefs stocking hats. We go to the cemetery and we share in our life a bit. And people are starting to come forward, paying respects as the service ended. Oh. If I'd had my camera out, it was sweet. As a guy, that's all I can say. It was sweet. It was so tender. I looked to my right. Here's the little boy. crying, but he has a friend with his arm around him, holding him, doing what we are called to do, and children get it so much easier than we do as adults. 
He's holding his friend up. Well, it came a time for dad, the two boys, to put their things in the vault. Dad said to the young boy who had the two Kansas City Chiefs hats on, son, I want to put the hat in the vault. He didn't really want to, but he did. And I watched him as he walked away from the vault behind a tree and he started to just sob. It was sweet because if I would have had my phone, I would have taken a picture at the half dozen kids that surrounded him and loved him in that moment, precious, precious sight. Folks, listen. Every time that you're in pain, you have an opportunity to work on your attitude, to work on your virtue, to work on your character. Now, the Bible gives us nine fruits of the Spirit, and they are love, joy, peace. Patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. I've had so many single men and women ask me, what do I look for in a possible person to date? It really is that simple. The fruits of the Spirit. You see, these are what happens when the Spirit of God is living through you. So how does God build these into your life? Through pain, through struggles, and through adversities? Here's the deal. When you are facing difficulty, you can either be bitter or you can be better. The key is that pain is one of God's great stepping stones to maturity. Or it's a great stumbling block to immaturity. In fact, God's word says in James 1, 2 through 4, says it this way. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing Nothing. Hey, raise your hand if you want to be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Absolutely. Me too. But do we truly want to be at the cost of the opportunities for great joy? Do we really? The Bible says in Proverbs 20, Verse 30, and let's read this out loud together, please. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Do we need to go back to my story when I was six years old of the Carter thing? <laughs> no. It changed my ways. I never did that again. Okay. 
Okay, well, except for the, the one more time when I was in second grade and I stuck my tongue <laughs> to the frozen slippery slide. Yeah, yeah, I did. But I was in the second grade. Hey, but I learned my lesson. I never did it again. So, dumb, dumb, dumb. It has been said that we may not change when we see the light, but we do when we feel the heat. I wish I would have had some heat for my tongue when it was stuck to that slippery slide. <laughs> Golly. People, look up here. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Amen. Then God will have to take you through everything that Jesus went through. Did Jesus go through pain? Oh. Did Jesus experience times of loneliness? Oh, yeah. Was Jesus tempted to be discouraged? Was Jesus tempted to sin? Oh, yeah. Did people misunderstand Jesus? And did they criticize him? Welcome to being like Jesus. Finish this statement with me. No pain, no gain. Absolutely. Hebrews 5, 8 through 9, says it like this. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Suffering made Jesus perfect. And now he can save forever all who obey him. The point is this. Pain always transforms us, either for good or for bad. You choose. Just like Pastor Tim spoke of last week in choosing to stay in your disappointment or discouragement, or are you going to stop, drop, and roll? Are you going to let God love you Put your focus on him and move forward. We must do the same with our pain. The beautiful part of pain is when followers of Jesus are in lieu of that pain. They have that closeness with God, with other like-minded people, and they have the type of character that resembles and reflects Christ. The ugly part is when people live in their pain daily and do not choose to move forward with the traits that I just spoke of. The number one quality of those who win in life is their ability to bounce back. Everyone stumbles. Everyone falls. Everyone has failures and everybody has pain and suffering. Those who make it, those who excel are those who pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and they stay the course. God's word says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again in Proverbs 24, 16. 
That needs to be us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, we read, for this reason, this is the reason we never became discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spiritual being is being renewed day by day. These temporary troubles we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory. The reward in heaven much greater than this trouble. For we fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. Because what we can see lasts only for a time. It is so temporary. But what cannot be seen lasts forever. So, the first way that God wants to use our pain for good is draw us closer to God. It's this relationship. And the second way is draw closer to others. And the third way that God wants to use our pain, yes, develop Christ-like character. Back to this relationship again. Here's point number four. And I invite the team to the stage. We become more sensitive in serving others. Become more sensitive in serving others. It's this relationship again. Now you can see that pain sensitizes us. The key is that whatever you go through, you can now just give it away. All pain becomes a redemptive tool in the hand of Jesus Christ. He will never waste the hurt, but he will use it for his glory. So back to our scripture for today, 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 6. And it says, he comforts us in all, all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. You know, when I first came on staff back in 2014, I remember being in, sorry, us being in Pastor Keith and Kay's home. And he said, Brian, would you like to be on staff? I need help. We need help in the finance area. I thought to myself, wow, I'm a business management major. I like numbers. I'm into details. Sure. I can give my life away to that. So after about six months or so, Pastor Keith and I got together and he said, how's it going, Brian? How you doing? I said, doing all right. Thank you. He said, do you love what you do? I said, it's okay. It's good. And he said, I don't want it to be okay. I want you to love what you do. What do you love to do? And I said, you know, 
I love to be in people's joy. I love to be in people's sadness and pain. I don't know why. It's just how God's created me. Do you have something like that? Absolutely, he said. I want you to love it. So we'll get you an adult ministry. I said, sounds great. I'm so appreciative. (sighs) So appreciative. You know, when you're growing up through grade school, high school, you never think together, as Pastor Keith and I share often, we're doing ministry together. We didn't think of this stuff back in seventh or eighth grade when we're playing basketball or in high school when you're going to dances and all those kind of things. What a blessing. I've been so blessed, and I tell him all the time, I'm so humbled. Because six plus years later, here I am, listening, laughing, crying, loving, teaching, and connecting with people in ways that I never, ever thought I would be. Giving God the glory hourly, daily, and beyond in the journey. Just to let you in a little bit on how I think, I'm just a different cat, I guess. Here are two verses that I think of pretty consistently. And the first one is in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The second is Acts 12, 21 through 24. It says, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Now you might be thinking, why? He spoke earlier of having a spiritual swagger. Ah, it's simple. I know where I'm strong. But it's humility. I want to stay humble and give God all the credit. I wish I could say I did this perfectly all the time. I don't, but I sure try. You know, a story that was so funny to me. Um, Every now and again, Pastor Tim will walk by my office, usually in the evening, end of the day, and he'll say, Brian, you're awesome. And I'll say, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. God lives in you, so you're awesome. Thank you, but I'm not. We have this banter that goes back and forth once in a while in the office, usually when it's a little bit quieter. Kim at the front desk and Pastor Tim two doors down from me. You know, we'll ask for things. Hey, can you grab something off the printer? Did you happen to see that prayer request that came in? 
We'll just do this back and forth. And I must have done something. Okay? Once again, I'm not bragging, but Kim said to me from her desk in my office, she said, Brian, you're awesome. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. You're awesome. And I said, no, I'm not. Two doors down, two doors down. I hear Pastor Tim goes, quote, okay, Brian, how about this? You suck, (laughs) but God is doing some terrific things with your life. And I said, absolutely. I can live with that. That's just, it's just me. It's not anyone else. It's just me. It's my thing. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. I was laughing and laughing. So here's a question for you. Who is better qualified to help the addict than a recovering addict? Who is better qualified to help the divorce than someone going through a divorce or who has gone through a divorce? Who is better qualified to walk the journey of loss from death than someone who has been through that valley? Friends, this is huge, huge, huge. Your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. I will say it again. Your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest hurt. So in closing, your greatest challenge is not your pain or even the worthless devil who only wants to cause you pain. Your greatest challenge is in how you respond to your pain. So back to the question that I asked you early on. Why is there pain in the world and why does a good God allow it? The answer is in the four points I shared with you. Number one, we draw closer to God, which is worship. Number two, we draw closer to others, which is fellowship. Number three, we develop Christ-like character, which is discipleship. And number four, become more sensitive in serving others. Again, I just want to recognize that some of you are going through some very painful stuff right now. I want you to know that we are here for you. Your church is here for you. If you're watching online or here in person, you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have a pastor on call who will listen, who will encourage, who will teach, who will pray with you. If you're not in a life group, we can help you get into one so that you have people to walk with you. Some of you might need counseling, and that's okay. We'll help you get connected. The point is, just reach out. God can use your pain. Please join with me in prayer. Precious Father, you are a good, good God. Thank you that your word goes forth. And those who had ears to hear, Father, I pray that they heard. 
Maybe they took one point away that they will use today for themselves and somehow, God, you will multiply it and they will give that away to someone else. What a gift to be like Christ. Father, thank you for loving us. We trust in you to always carry us when we are not strong enough to do so. There is no other name by which we are saved than Jesus Christ. We trust in that today. In his precious name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.